Tom Panos, John McGrath with Troy Malcolm. I've just been given the heads up. This, he thinks, is episode number 80. This is, uh, it they, could be. They said it wouldn't last, huh? They, John, they All said, the cynics. They said it wouldn't last. All we the look, cynics. They said we'd be gone after like a dozen episodes and we're still standing, aren't yeah, we? Yeah, look. I think our, our purchase price makes it easy, isn't it? Right. We are free. <laughs> we're, we put, and we put our neck on the line. <laughs> and, That's right. And, 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 and we're still going. But I, It I would be rude if they started disconnecting when we're free, wouldn't it? Yeah, I've, I've got to tell you, John, I couldn't stop laughing when uh, uh, we first started it. It was number one for around 11 weeks in a row. Yeah. And then I was sitting home one night and I said to my wife, I said, Sula, I said, look, I said, I feel good about this thing because I'm, I'm looking I'm looking at some of these podcasts. We've got the Australian stock market here. Yep. We've got HBO. And I look at that. We're, we're number one. Wow. And she said, have you actually ever thought of the concept <laughs> that what iTunes does is actually know that you're plugging in and got and they, they put your podcast at number one? She said, you know, they could do that. And then I started thinking, is there a possibility? I don't think it was. I thought that we had so many subscribers that came in. Yeah. And we're up to around 8,000. Um, really? 8,000 now? 8,000 every and week. And New Zealand? You said that you're in New yeah, Zealand with, recently? Yeah, with Mike Perrow two weeks ago. Oh, they and I was saying they, they a good love group. Good, good group. You've spoken with them, You, you introduced me. I think at the Gold Coast, I spoke to them yeah. at the QT Hotel. And, and they were good people, very entrepreneurial, very innovative. Well, he's an interesting fellow because Mike Perrow has been in banking. He's mm -hmm. had a mortgage business. He's also owned an airline. He owned an airline in New Zealand, and now in real estate, he's a bit of a marketing machine. He's big on um, television advertising, um, and I started working with them three years ago. They had 30 officers. They've got 78, so they're a, a growth business. 78 officers? 78 wow. in two and a half years. They went from 30. So I think... Not surprising, though. I mean, you know, it's all about, and it's not, this is not a plug for Mike and his team, but we know he's very good, but... If you are energetic and entrepreneurial and innovative, which all those three things would describe Mike, you're going to grow because yeah. there's not that many out there in the marketplace that are really adding value. So, Johnny, oh, good. I love um, Q&As because Q&As are all about what really is happening in real estate. Number one, Billy Schroeder, how to go from one million to two million in the suburbs. What does a two million agent look like? Um, so, so there's a, a lot. Billy's a guy. Billy's a guy. Billy's a guy. What a area? Um, uh, off the top of my head, he's in the uh, 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 Knox Victoria. way. Yeah, Victoria in okay. Melbourne. Yeah. So um, let's work on an average price there, I think, of about 700 Not that I think it really matters for the purpose of this conversation. Uh, well, it might. You might turn around and think that one of the strategies has got to be you've got to sell dearer property to go to the next level. But we know that there's a lot more $1 million agents today than there was three years ago. It's becoming far more common. How does the person go from one million to two million? It's easier than it sounds because somewhere between one and two million you hit tipping point. You get to a momentum that almost gives you a boost without you knowing it. So my, my encouragement for anyone out there that's whatever they're doing is somewhere in the not too distant future, especially if you're doing numbers up around a million dollars, you'll get to a tipping point where you become like 8% of the market or 15% of the market and people, you become irresistible. So I've known a lot of our guys, and they've said, you know, kind of going from two to three million happened like magic. You know, I was turned up at two, and then I sort of put my head down, and I put my head up, and all of a sudden I was doing 2.8. That's, that's what happens when momentum, um, when you've got a good agent, gets into momentum, they hit tipping point, and then all of a sudden they cannot be left off the shopping list when someone thinks of selling. So I, I think somewhere in between, the, the key for Billy is to get to one and a half, and you'll probably find the extra half a million will almost happen just through the trajectory and the momentum of his business. 
Um, you're probably going to need to build your leadership skills around that. It's one of the things with agents is that good agents are, by definition, good agents, but they're not often good leaders yeah. or good recruiters of CSM. So one of the key skills... And C- CSM for the audience, CSM... Assistant, sorry. Right. Associate agent, buyer right. specialist, assistant. So one of the challenges I, I find is that agents are technicians often. They're good at what they do, listing and selling, but when it comes time to building a team around them, they can fall a little bit short of the mark. So you have to recognise... There are new skills in going to one to two million. One of the new skills is building a really good team around you. And I assume at one million, there's every chance Billy's already got someone working with him. Yeah. He may need to get better at managing that or he might need to recruit a second person to go to the two million because you're probably going to have to increase by another 50 sales. Yeah. And it might be difficult to do by himself, but in a team environment, it should be absolutely doable. So I think that's critical. The other thing is in that growth mode, you hit on it earlier, Tom, when you said the average sale price which could be 700, for example, today, the more momentum you get, the more signboards you get, the more famous you become within your community, your average sale price might go from 700 to 850. Yeah. Because the better properties start taking notice and they start saying, we've got to call Billy in, he's doing some great work. You know, I, I don't, I've never met him, but I see his boards everywhere. I open up the local paper, he's in there. I go into REA, he's on every property. So I think you'll find that that, that generally happens as well. So. I think it's around what other new skills. Um, one of the skills, which is kind of an interesting one, is the ability to handle more rejection. As you become a better agent, you need to go for more business. You know, people get harder fighting against you because everyone wants to beat the market leader. And you're going to have to deal. I, I find this a lot of time in my coaching sessions. Is one of the things I coach all the time is. You know, you've got to not be worried about what people say about you. Yeah. As long as you're doing the right thing. Because they're going to be saying things about you, aren't yeah. they? It's going to say, success polarises people. John, there's a saying that everyone uh, uh, wants you to do well until you're doing better than them. That's right. Yeah, exactly right. Is that an old Greek saying? <laughs> <laughs> he's personal. He's had a personal <laughs> attack on me <laughs> live on the podcast. We're doing it as hard as possible. We're struggling in that economy. You can buy, apparently you can buy a beer there for 46 cents now. And John's oh, had a go at me. But, so, but, look, now I think um, th- th- there's no doubt. Success polarises and some people cheer you on and other people hope that... Because it's a bit, John, it's a bit like the sporting team that's undefeated for 15 weeks. Every side increases their intensity them. against you. Correct. Everyone is out to get you. Everyone's studying your game. Uh, and in the real estate world, you'll often find some unsavoury tactics, like people start saying things about you that aren't true, yep. and they and, and and all that. And people come to me all the time, and they say, "Oh, yeah, but these these competitors are saying this about me." I'm saying, "Look, you can't change what they say. Mm. All you got to do is be brilliant, be the best you can be, live life with integrity, and, and people will actually find their way to your door." So, because uh, you never slag off competitors. I mean, I know we've said that before, but just to reinforce to all our community of listeners out there, you should never, ever say anything negative about your competitors, that you just say positive things around what, how you can help someone, and, and that's it. So I think the thing is, um, so summarising that, I guess, it's, it's develop the skills that you're going to need from one to two million, and, and a lot of that's going to be around building a team. Yeah. A lot of it's going to be around time management. Yeah. because you've got to handle twice the volume. Even if you have a team, you have to handle twice the volume. A lot of it's going to be around staying calm under pressure and not yeah. being distracted by what people say yeah. because instead of having you know, three auctions a month, you might end up with eight Yeah. or you might end up with eight a week. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. So you have to be good at dealing with things as they come to you and be incredibly organised because, Troy, whatever time management system or tools you're using that got you to be able to sell for your year, 
40 won't get you to sell 80 a year probably, right? You're going to need a new idea a week. You're going to need kind of to be better, sharper in listing presentations, ask for the business. Agents that say to me, I've got a three-step or a two-step listing presentation, I'm saying, why? Mm-hmm. You should be able to walk in and you should be so well-researched and you should be so good at your job that there is a high probability that at the end of that, when you've asked the right questions and you've found the right answers and you've given them a great recommendation, you ask for the business, they say yes. Because agents that are doing $2 million, $4 million, don't have the time to be going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Yeah. You've got to get to, the, get to it. And they also don't have time to spend, to be honest, three hours in a listing meeting. Yeah. Now, that's not to rush it in 20 minutes. No. That's equally as bad. But, yeah, just let's have an agenda. Let's keep it flowing. Let's be constructive. Let's, let's find out what are the issues. What are they determining their decisions on? Let's see if we're at the front of the queue. And let's ask for the business. Keep it um, simple. Uh, but I think uh, what we're saying, Billy, is it might all sound a lot, but by the sounds of it, Guys, you'd agree going from one to two million is probably easier than going from zero to one million. 100%. Correct. Well, the good business that Billy's done now actually has made him an attraction agent. Yeah. So it's just tightening the little things, time management, making sure you're dealing with adversity, time pressure, management of a team, different skill sets, but continue doing the great risk yeah. presentation. Continue doing amazing OFIs that'll get you to more sales. That's yeah. a good point, Troy. Just to finish on that personal audit, which I talk a lot about in my sessions, Rate yourself from zero to ten on all the key areas that we spoke about: time management, prospect, list, sell, and so forth. Um, most people still, even the better people, come up with a six and a half, seven and a half as a range for me. John, are you happy for me to share? I've got the audit. Yeah, of course. Okay, so if you guys, if you go to uh, tompanels.com.au under free tools, I've got the uh, McGrath uh, personal audit designed um, and put together by John himself. So it's, it's a good way to actually have an honest assessment at where you're at with things. And ask yourself, why are you a seven in time management? And how do I, what do I have to do to become a nine out of 10 time manager? And you know, whatever are the answers, create a list. That's your new plan for your one to $2 million plan. Because whatever's got you there already will probably keep happening. Mm. You just need to say the gap analysis is what do I have to do differently or better or start doing? Hopefully okay. that helps. Beautiful. Uh, question number two, I'm in the process of securing a large wall space in the main shopping strip of, in my area. Any ideas or examples of the content that you should have on the billboard and what you've seen in billboard advertising for agents? What do you think? Well, look, I, I, I hate 90% of agent advert advertising because I think it's all very self-interested, very egocentric, beating the chest about how good they are. And I don't think that really adds a lot of value. By the way, some of our own team do that, and I encourage them not to. Some people kind of feel that there's a way of doing things, so we try and educate them around that. But I heard a, a, a very profound statement this week by a solicitor, which um, I thought it sums up real estate. He said, Tom, generally speaking, vendors don't care about agents. They care about themselves. Yeah, very true. Very true. And what you're saying is having agents promoting themselves is about the agent and not about the vendor. Yeah, so it's customer-centric. What's in it for me is a customer. So I should be able to go past, walk past or drive past and read a message that actually has some value for me. So I think turn it around, turn the camera around off you onto the customer and say, what would be a message if I was thinking of selling my house? What would be a good message? Not about, oh, you know, I've sold 4,000 last year and I won the award for this particular thing. Mm. It's all egocentric. And that's, you know, we're just answering Billy's question a second ago, Tom, but get the ego out of the way. To go to one to two million, you've got to get the ego out of the way. A lot yeah. of people spend a lot of time and effort and money 
um, trying to look good. And every single time, you, all the money and effort you spend trying to look good is a waste. Yeah, look good, I'm talking about, you know, present yourself properly, present your documents properly, but don't try and impress others all the time. Just be you, and you should be great. Okay, so you're saying, um, sell like a superstar, but think like a consumer. What problem am I solving for the consumer when I create my billboard? Correct. And what I would do, Troy, I reckon if I was about to put a billboard up, I would go to a website, and I don't know what it is, or I'd go to a great bookshop, and I'd look for the world's best corporate marketing campaigns, posters, and corporate ads. Mm -hmm. You'll find some great inspiration there. And I'm not saying steal it verbatim, but you'll find some great initiatives, some great words, some great visuals. That will, you know, I'm, I love not reinventing the wheel. Mm. So if I want to, you know, whether I want to build a website, if I want to do an ad campaign or whatever, I'm saying, okay, what is in the market at the moment that's the best in the, that there is, and can I look at it for inspiration and can I improve on it, but take it as the seed of an idea? So rather than, because uh, it can be expensive using ad agencies, although that would be not a bad suggestion, a small boutique one, yep. but I'd just go online and I'd bang in there, world's best marketing campaigns, world's best poster campaigns, world's best print campaigns, and you'll find lots of great inspirations. If you're in Sydney, there are bookshops like Ariel Bookshop that's, mm -hmm. that's at Darlinghurst and yep. that you can go to, and they have a lot of sort of uh, marketing-type books. I was just going to say, John, on your point, I put down three things on my notepad here. Customer-centric, 100% agree. Um, get rid of that ego marketing, egotistical marketing, in the fact that if you're doing that, 80% of the agent population would be doing something similar. Yeah. So we've got to really start to think about what can I do outside the box and using those worldwide campaigns that have been successful yeah. is a great ploy because you get to understand what the consumer wants. Mm. Yes. If we're adding value, mm. there's more in it for you in the long term because yeah. you're creating true. those one-on-one -on -one connections. Yeah, true. Gold. I'd actually, final say... Um, before you do anything, spend a bit of time on Seth Godin's website, read yeah. a few of his blogs, read a few of his books, because I think Seth Godin, more than anyone else, understands uh, brand equity and creating perceived value using marketing. Yeah. Yep. So let's go to question number three. Last question before we wrap up, guys. And this is an important one, because I know that most million-dollar agents say that open for inspections are a major source of listing presentations. What are the open for inspection callback scripts being used by top agents. So firstly, um, I know, John, that uh, Matt Lancashire that we spoke at that conference with, he talked about make your open house calls on a Saturday afternoon. He said intercept, great, great point. intercept the decision before people call on the Monday. Well, the other thing, Tom, is you're catching people when it's fresh in their mind and they usually have time to talk. Whereas Monday morning, they're in the office. A lot of people are professionals, so they've kind of got a lot of stuff happening in their office Monday morning. So I really like that point of Matt's around, around that. I, look, I'm not sure I'd focus or fixate too much on the dialogue. I'd fixate on the approach. My approach would be connect, understand, add value. So connect, uh, not just physically on the phone, but actually, you know, really, it's, you know what it is. Connect with people. Try and understand where they're at. You know, the old saying, you know, walk, walk a mile in my shoes yeah. type of thing. You know, you really have to understand where the customers are at and not see them as buyers in inverted commas. You know, th these are real people that have yeah. got a busy life and they're trying to find a home for their family. So see a call like that. That's the level of importance because a lot of agents, they go into kind of call centre mode. It's like call after call after call and it's like, did you like the property? Do you want to buy it? No, keep moving, keep moving. I, I think you've actually got to take a bit of time 
well, I know you have to take a bit of time to connect with the people, really understand. Um, the understanding part is really get to know is where are they at in the buying cycle? Are they just investigating? Are they researching? Uh, have they missed out on three auctions in the last month? Do they have to be in by the 30th of next month? Take some notes because most of the agents, well, firstly, Troy, most of the agents aren't even ringing them back, which is crazy, crazy. Yep. Secondly, is a lot of the agents are ringing them back are in call centre mode. If you're one of the agents that says, Tom, I'd just like to pause for a couple of minutes, have a quick chat if I could, because I'd really love to help you and your family find the next home. Do you have two minutes you can give me now? Everyone, unless they're walking into a meeting, they'll say, yeah, I'd love, to, love you to help me. So could you just talk me through where you're at in your search? How long have you been looking? Where are you living now? What's your time frame to move? Is there any driver for the time frame? You have a conversation, you take lots of notes, those should be entered into your database. Uh, and that's the beginning of the relationship. The third thing is the, the, the call to action. So at the end of that, they're either a buyer that's ready to go now, a buyer yeah. that's just researching and is getting ready to go, and they're potentially a seller, and they need someone to help appraise their home to give yeah. them some advice on that. So we found that about 20 to 30% roughly, depending on which area it was, but 20 to 30% of the people that inspected our open homes were in the mode of researching because they were going to sell. Yeah. They might buy first and then sell, but yeah. sometime in the near future they were going to sell, so they're, they're potential vendors. I think Matt, that, he made a really good thing. He said that nearly everyone that comes through your open house is a current buyer, a potential buyer, a current seller, or a potential seller. You know, they're in kind of one of four categories. Yeah. So it doesn't matter what the thing is, you've got to give them attention, and this is your lifeblood going forward. So I, I think the, I, the advice to, to the question there would be, you know, don't worry too much about scripts, because I don't think it matters. Yeah. I think connect with them, take notes, care for them, give yourself time to understand them, and then put an action plan to say, Tom, based on what you've said, sounds like you do want to get moving. Um, I'm going to go back to my team and just see what have they seen in the last few days and I'm going to come back to you either with some options or not. Yeah. If I don't have any options, I'm going to start looking for you. And then, you, then you've got to be organised. This is a follow-through game. Yeah. Most people, whether you're a mortgage broker or an agent or a principal, most people don't follow through on their commitments and their actions. Well, they do for a short while, then they, yeah. you know. So I'm a buyer, I hear from you, you're enthusiastic, you give me a couple of calls in the next fortnight, then I never hear from you again. Yeah, if you just keep with people, that's how I built yeah. my reputation in the early days in sales. I just kept with people until they eventually. So I'd, I'd be dealing with some people. I remember a guy, guy named Lawrence, I won't say his surname, but a guy when I started, his name was Lawrence, and I stayed with him for three years until he bought from someone else. And, and that was important for me. Three years I kept ringing him virtually every week, and it was a joke, running joke in a way, because he kept saying, look, you know, I'm obviously a time waster. I said, no, no, you're not a time waster. We just haven't found you the right home yet. And yet I have all these other, and even people in my office at that point, they say, oh, look, you know, is he really going to buy? Isn't it a waste <coughs> of time? I said, no, no. I tell him about properties, he turns up and looks at them, they're not for him, I just keep telling him about properties. So that was a big part of my sort of profile building was just staying with buyers until they eventually bought. Some of our best agents, <coughs> sorry, excuse me, some of our best agents do that on a weekly basis. They, they actually use the dialogue around, hey, listen, if you see something else with another agent, give me a call because if they're too busy to look after you, I'll help out. Uh, and I think that's really important, giving them a service and actually, like you said, John, understanding and connecting with that client. Yeah. yeah. It's an, I think it's an approach, Tom, more than a dialogue. Yeah. I mean, you can get dialogue. So um, I think uh, Ivan Breshik, I did a video blog with him from Shannon Whitney, and Breshik and Whitney have a big focus on buyers. I know you Huge. have as well, John. Well, they used to work here. Yeah. yeah they, they, used they, they were great agents when they worked with us. They've, they've and they a great see... Company the work you do with a buyer is in fact the servicing 
of a potential vendor because they don't um, listen to the words you say but they look at the behaviour and how often you're being in contact. Um, finishing off, I think that we all agree, don't get too caught up with exactly the script that you're going to use. People prefer real and even if you're a little bit different versus fake and nice. That's what people pick up. The other thing, a little, little mini tip, Tom, because uh, I always used to do my callbacks. Admit I did them on Mondays, but I think Saturday's a great idea. I used to do my callbacks Monday, and it started about nine, and I'd normally finish one or two or three in the afternoon, so it was like really four or five hours of, of solid getting to my buyers. I always had the, the list. I'd call them off my open for inspection list. As I'd speak to them, I'd make notes in a different colour pen, often be red, yeah. as to what they said about the property yeah. and what are they looking for. Yeah. I would then, when I went to my vendor meetings, which were often that night, the Monday or the Tuesday night, I would take that and I'd actually run through the list. So you've got vendors at the dining room table, they're looking across and they're seeing real life comments you've made. Yeah. So they're kind of in the call. If yeah. you just say, oh look Tom, I, you know, unfortunately got to let you know that you know, I spoke to everyone and the kind of, they weren't really, they thought it was a little bit busy the road. That kind of sounds like generic, it almost sounds like someone's trying to condition me if yeah, I was yeah, a sceptical yeah, vendor. Yeah, yeah. If I actually sit down and say, Tom, I'd just like to run through, you know, I've been back to the 15 buyers. Now, if we just sort of take these one at a time and I step through, it has so much more credibility. Oh. So, you know, I, I would make the notes in a different colour pen and go through them. Then, of course, I'd enter them in nowadays a database. Back then, I had three by five card systems. That's how old I am, Tommy. But that, that is, John, that is a, that is a hot tip. Anyway, uh, so, yeah, three, those three by five by penfold stationers. And the little wooden <laughs> box. They used to come in the little wooden box and used to buy the little A to Z dividers. Look Isn't at that. that and look how successful he's become. Now well, we've got Outlook. We've got CRM systems. The sky's the limit, guys. <laughs> Gang, I'm just going to give a short uh, shout-out to an event that... Uh, John, you and I, and I know Matt Steinway and uh, James Tostevin and a, a number of other uh, great real estate agents that are out there in the marketplace are going to be speaking and at. You don't get better than those oh, two. Well, two of the best. Um, but they're joining Richard Branson um, right. for an event that Glenn Twiddle's putting on, titansofrealestate.com.au. It's on September 8th and 9th. And he in Brisbane, has, isn't it? In is Brisbane. Brisbane and he's told me the tickets are from $199 and they have just gone on sale. So, um, I've got to say, it's pretty cheap to hear Branson and uh, Steinway and Tossevin. Not so cheap for you and me, but... Uh, no. <laughs> We're the best value of the day. <laughs> We're the free component. They're throwing best us thing. in like steak knives. Yeah. You know, <laughs> but but you, will, you will be the steak knives, but the other guys will be there. No, I think that's great. Um, Branson, I, I have not heard him speak live. I'm looking forward to that. As, as you said, you and I are speaking there, but I'll, I'll be listening as well. Um, he, what a wealth of knowledge that guy is. And to bottle that up in a couple of hour presentation or whatever he's doing, it'd be pretty dynamic, so... I think, yeah, good. Glenn's a great guy, and uh, he does a lot for the real estate industry. So get there. If you're in Brisbane, even if you're not in Brisbane, you should get there. But if you're in Brisbane or the Gold Coast or Sunny Coast, yeah, it's a no-brainer. September really. 8, September 9, Titans of Real Estate. Come and see the steak knives. Come and see the steak knives. <laughs> John's on. Meet me first, then John. If you're not happy, then you speak to Glenn. <laughs> guys, thank you so much. We'll see, see you, you next week. Bye, guys. See you.